Welcome to this week's Monday meeting. Today is January 21st, 2019. Monday meetings are a chance for motion designers all over the world to connect and ask questions, share inspiration, or hear presentations and interact with industry-leading artists on an equal playing field. Today's guest is Dorka Museb. So if you don't know Dorka, um, she has worked on clients with Showtime MTV, BET, Adobe, Comedy Central, and most recently, the Patriot Act with Hassan Minaj. I always butcher his last name. I don't know why. Um, and let's see, you're based out of New York, but you are were born and raised in Puerto Rico, which I think is pretty awesome. You helped develop and are really involved with the New York City chapter of Punan Nation, if I'm saying that right. If you guys, yeah. if you guys don't know what that is, it's a... A uh, group of women, trans, and non-binary friends working in animation and motion graphics field. Um, what else do I have for your notes? You're a guest with Ryan Summers on the Motion Hatch podcast, episode 22, where you talked about art school versus online courses. So you've kind of really been all over the place lately, <laughs> client-wise yeah. and, and getting out in the industry. Um, just for first-time people here, or as a reminder, if you guys have questions, please type question into the chat. Uh, make sure it's in all caps. If you get all caps, it's not a big deal, but this is essentially like raising your hand so we know to either ask a question or call on you later on. Um, and then just as an FYI, this is being recorded. So if you guys say something that you realize is NDA sensitive, just let us know so we can cut it out or uh, make sure that it gets muted down or whatever. So with that said, uh, Dorka, thanks so much for joining us. Um, as I talked to you a little bit beforehand, this is really casual and kind of just open-ended, so no real structure, but I will open it up and let you just kind of introduce yourself beyond what I have. Um, what, what can you tell us that my, my intro hasn't covered? Um, I don't know. I think you covered pretty much everything. I mean, I've been, like you said, uh, I've been a little bit more active in the field lately or more uh, open to joining more meetings and uh, representing, I guess. Um, I realized that uh, our voices need to be heard a little bit more. So uh, I started not being as shy and, uh, you know, putting myself out there and started, uh, you know, being a little bit more upfront and a little bit more open about sharing our experiences. Um, I've been working for, as you said, uh, in Patriot Act lately, which has been really, uh, really great. And I wanted to sort of touch on like what it's like working there and if anybody has questions about it. Um, it's been like a really different platform and a really challenging platform. It is very different. Um, we're doing a live show that is, uh, is taped live and it's the screens are all around. It's very uh, non-conventional screens, and it's been really uh, it, 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 it's been really interesting because it's, you have to think about things a lot more different. So there's a lot of uh, more technical challenges and uh, more creative challenges that come along with it. Yeah, like I've done projection mapping work, and I imagine it's probably similar, except you're doing it with screens where you have these weird aspect ratios. So I guess, can you talk about like the creative process for that? Like how, how did it go from instead of like a normal daily show type, like 
desk and everything to this more kind of stand up, but with like interactive screens? Like what's the process that got you guys there? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, Michelle Fox was the one that was very highly involved with the show from the beginning. And she uh, usually does non-traditional screens. And she was the one that had been working on it for about a year to like pitch it and everything. If you look, if you, if any of you watch his stand up before this one, um, it was called Homecoming King. And he used screens there as well to tell his story. So we knew from the beginning more or less what we we're going to be doing, which is telling the story with him as he goes along. Because he used a lot of motion graphics, uh, which I thought was really exciting when I first saw his special. I didn't know I was going to be working, you know, eventually with him. But, um, I, I when I first saw his special, I noticed he's used of motion graphics to tell the story along with them, and so he took that approach and then uh, put it in like a larger context. The um, technical aspects of it were challenging, and again, this is something that we we sort of like went along with it. The, the screens were built specifically for the show. And at the same time, you're looking at screens that are being shot through a lens that are then being watched in your home and your TV, which is very challenging color-wise and like hard to control what that does. Um, so the technical challenge alone was, uh, was pretty heavy. And then the creative process is usually, um, it, it comes from, it, it's a very cool, it's a highly, highly collaborative environment. You, you have to be, because it, the show is very quickly done. So it has to be very collaborative. You have a news team, a research team, an archival team, and a graphics team, and a team that, that manages uh, the machine that we basically feed all of the graphics into. And as he is talking, then somebody is queuing those in. So you have to be able to work all together in, in, a, in a seemingly highly collaborative that, uh, where ideas are, are, are done through the, the writers like come up with the ideas and then we have to visually represent that. Uh, sometimes we come up with the ideas and then they, so it's a very back and forth and collaborative environment uh, when it comes to that part. So this made me think when you're talking about like all the technology hurdles, have you had to learn how to animate inside anything else besides of After Effects? Like, what's your typical workflow like now, now that you have, oh. like, all, all these kind of other technical hurdles? Um, no, I, we use After Effects, and I've, I've had the opportunity to use a little bit of cinema, too. But After Effects is the main tool that we use. Um, for some things, we use cinema, but very, not as much. Um, if only because the rendering in cinema, <laughs> we just don't have time. Right. You know, for things to be re-rendered, something needs to be changed. So mm. um, um, we usually use After Effects uh, a lot. Um, we, I'm trying to think here. Um, yeah, um, I think that the technological aspect, I mean, it, it's it's been one of those rare jobs where I'm a, I'm a generalist, right? So I've, I've been collecting skills for a while. You know, I've been, and it feels like this is the one job where I've had to use every single skill. Like I've, I've had to do compositing, I've had to do Photoshop, I've had to do Illustrator, I've had to do After Effects, I've had to 
animate, I've had to design, I've had to do expressions, I've had to do templating. Like it's just it's sort of like an everything sort of place where you, you, you're thrown a lot of different things. And I myself love that because it doesn't ever get boring and you never yeah. know what's coming your way. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the one thing that I love about being a generalist that you, you sort of become this um, everything politics is what I call it. Uh, mm-hmm. Of just like just using different set, different skill sets, which um, which can be challenging, but at the same time, really rewarding. And I have used cinema as well for some things. So it's it's a it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. So speaking of being a generalist, this makes me think: Do you have anyone? Well, first off, how many people are on your team, and do you have anyone on your team that is kind of a specialist? Um, or does everyone kind of work together as a generalist? Um, we have about 11 to 12 people. I don't know if anybody, like we all have our strengths in what we're stronger in. So I guess that, I don't know if that answers the question, but for the most part, most people are generalists. Cool. Um, and we bounce sort of from one thing to the other. Yeah. I don't, yeah, we have to be for me because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like some people are like, if you're better at something, that's, you know, they'll obviously go to you, but this is the kind of place that if you started a project or if you start something, somebody else is going to have to pick it up eventually. So it goes through five or six hands before wow. it goes on, on, on screen because we're, we're all going fast and we're all going like, okay, I'm starting this. Maybe somebody else can get up or, can you pick this up and change it? Or can you change the colors, can you change that photograph? So it is very, collab- again, very collaborative and the communication is has to be like really on point because mm-hmm. we all need to make sure that everything can be found, that everything can be open, your projects are really clean so that it's understandable. Like when you open it up, you know exactly what you're looking at. So yeah. it is a, a highly organized and very collaborative environment. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit of like what a typical day is for you or like what a typical project is like for you? Like how much time do you have to work on something from start to finish? Is it just like a couple hours or you have to just like churn through it or um, do you actually get to mull something over for like at least a couple weeks? Uh, it depends. Okay. It, it depends on um, Depends on what it is. So what we've done is we've templated some things. We've, we've done a lot of things with expressions and we've templated it, a lot of things to just give it um, like as a starting point. How's that? So you, you, we've templated an expression to help of everything, um, and specifically like infographics and graphs and things like that, and just like to make it just faster for us or to have a base to start on. Um, and then from there, we, um, you know, there, so there's certain things that you see on screen that we already have sort of a template set up for it. And then we can take, because of that, then we can take our time with things that are more complicated. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Then we get to, yeah, then we get to mull over or have a little bit more time on things that can be more interesting or work with the screen more or, or spend more time dedicated to designing mm-hmm. and animating something a little bit more complicated, which we call like the firework moments and things like that. Um, and that's, that's how we divide the time. So 
when, for example, the, the show was off the air, then we took that time to template things and make sure that things can go faster, are meant to go faster. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started in broadcast too, and it was very similar for us where we would have templates of like say lower thirds or whatever, and we would just populate them through an Excel document. Mm -hmm. So that way we could spend so much more time on design and everything else. So we'd have a producer just like, please throw all the names inside this Excel document. And then we could like churn really fast on that. But then if we needed a new title for um, like Honey Boo Boo or whatever we were working on at Discovery, then we could actually spend some time on that. So um, it's always interesting to me to hear that for like broadcast pipelines because it's so much different than anywhere else in the motion design field where you like you actually have like a month or two to kind of mull stuff over um, so um, I know that so I didn't announce this at the beginning but Dorka is stuck at a train station at the moment so she's <laughs> got limited time so I want to immediately just like throw it open to anyone that wants to ask questions uh, we're kind of doing like a speed round with Dorka today. So um, Elizabeth, Sorry, I know, guys. it's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I, I completely get it. I was saying in a private chat that it's like negative 10 here today, just because of how crazy the weather's been. Um, so Elizabeth, you had a question if you want to go ahead and ask that. Oh yeah. So um, I just wanted to ask about the, the stage in Patriot Act because it was um, kind of this, wacky hexagonal thing but only partial of the hexagon and um i noticed that some of the elements when you have to replace them like say you have to replace an area that was for an infographic and you replaced it with a photo for the next you know statement um that needed to be made um parts of it worked independently like that where you could replace one piece without having to redo the whole thing and then parts of it worked collaborative connected like you had a transition that would affect all groups of it so I was just wondering um, about I'm sure you guys put your thinking caps on and did a bunch of engineering about how that was structured so it could be easy and fast and I'd love to hear whatever you discovered out of that uh, yeah I so we we have a there's a machine that if you don't know any type of like big screen stuff you're probably familiar with it it's called the d3 machine and we basically feed all the graphics into this machine and the operators of the machine sort of like, um, you know, go, go along with him. Um, the, the floor, everything is connected, but we've made it so that if there's a big change of topic. So we're, we're essentially the graphics are telling the story with them. We're essentially, quote unquote, the co-hosts of this show. Right. And uh, and so what happens is that we, as we tell the story, we make the movement go along with what he's saying. So if we get the script, we also get a read. And when we get the read, then uh, we know what the beats are going to be and where he's going to be standing. So it's a, a highly coordinated between the director, the create between the director of the show, the creative, our creative director, our head animator. Uh, the writers and the everybody just works together on the stage to make this come to life. Does that answer your question? Yeah, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's that. It does, there's a large amount of work being done by the creative director and the art directors. And the, and the, so it, everybody is coordinating this thing. And it's getting easier now on the second season, but that's, that's basically how, how it's done. 
So it sounds like when you turn in your work, it might be kind of a different aspect ratio. Like it might be almost the size of a banner ad, or it might be like you're rarely turning in the 1920, 1080. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, we're using actually AK. So, yeah, uh, yeah look at Liam's face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were actually using AK. And um, if you. If you watch, so what we do also, because he's a comedian and he's going to feed off the audience, um, we need to give him time for him to also like do his improv if he needs to. So we usually animate and stop, animate and stop. Animate. So it's cute, essentially. And then uh, this way he has the time to, you know, if he, an audience member is saying something funny, then he takes that and, you know, runs with it. Um, or runs runs on his own. Then there's time for that. As well. Cool. So it's highly coordinated. Yeah. Yeah. You saw my face with the AK comment. Like that. <laughs> that that for one blows my mind a little bit. And then two, just like it almost sounds choreographed a bit. And I I never even thought about that. Like I. I mean, I understand like having multiple cameras, but it never really occurred to me that you would actually know where. Hassan is standing on the stage too and the timing that goes into interacting with uh, someone in the audience or just if he's improving at all so that that's a whole like crazy new dynamic <laughs> I never had to deal with before that's that's yeah, um, yeah I've, I've got a question and I think this uh, Dan Marino just popped something in the chat too that's essentially similar to what I was going to ask but if you're inner if you're generating graphics kind of on the fly to interact with uh, what Hassan's talking about or any audience member or whatnot, what is that kind of time frame or that turnaround time from like oh, the So he, we don't generate graphics based on like what the audience members are saying. Uh, I know okay. that would be a little, uh, a little, yeah. <laughs> not on the fly like that, but we do, we give him time. So we don't, we don't animate something like we, we animate it in pieces essentially so that it, he can have the time that he Gotcha. Right. Yeah, but it's highly coordinated. It's highly. Um, yes, uh, there's a, a director. Um, Rich. I'm horrible with names. Um, I'm sorry, but he he's the director of the show, and and he highly coordinates with the creative director of graphics, uh, and he tells us sometimes, you know, can we we're going to be focusing on him on this side of the screen? Could you make sure that the graphics are there, or like the most important things are there? So. It is a highly coordinated effort and stuff. Um, uh, when do you yeah, get the scripts and stuff uh, for the, like through the week? Or, like what do you, what's a normal show like? And I think this is more to what Dan had asked to. And Dan, feel free to chime in as well. Um, but from like, all right, here's the script. These are the graphics we need to on air. Like yeah. what, what's that? What the, what's the turnaround on that? As, uh, based on life cycle, uh, the first script we got, they have been working on it a really long time, and then it got down to the wire, and so sometimes we will get the script on a Thursday. On a, yeah, the show tapes on Wednesday, so I think we'll get the script on a Thursday, and the turnaround will be for the next week. And it is a large amount of graphics to make. So it, it was a very, very quick turnaround, and then there will be revisions to that script as we were going along some things will get killed some things will have no items to come up 
So there was a, uh, there was sometimes that we had to work over the weekend and uh, with the writers and um, you know it, it it was a lot of work. It definitely a lot of work and. Um, we would then have to make the graphics sometimes uh, in a turnaround of two days uh, or less than that. Same day, sometimes, depending on, yeah, depending on the script and how much they changed it. Mm. Um, so this is the first, I, I didn't know that we had this turned on, Mark, but it says John raised his hand. John, do you have a mic available to you? I know you don't have camera, but. Oh. Yep, I do have a mic. Hello, everybody. Cool. I didn't know our hand raising worked. I didn't either. That's sweet. All yeah. right. <laughs> Sorry, I've been lurking a little bit. I've been trying to get things a little set up. I don't normally wake up this early, actually, by quite a few hours. I'm a late. I'm somebody who's up late. But um, I had a question for. Um, I'm sorry. I'm very bad with names. Dorka. Is that my primary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had a question. Um, it's kind of a boring question, but. Uh, when you finish your projects in After Effects and you're ready to export, do you export out directly through After Effects or do you um, go through Media Encoder to do that? Oh, Media Encoder set it on fire, set it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Media Encoder and I are not besties. Uh, uh, Media Encoder and I have had issues. Uh, we divorced. Uh, I divorced it last year and uh, I think it, uh, Media Encoder has a kid now. I see them every once in a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Media Encoder and I have a complicated relationship. Um, uh. <laughs> no, no, for, but in all seriousness. Um, so we do use both. We use Media Encoder uh, and we use After Effects to export. Um, Media Encoder, we also use Hat Coded uh, oh, okay. as well. Yeah, so we use, we use the Hat. Um, and we call it happening um, because we're geeks, and that's what we do. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so we use media. We use media encoder. We use HAP encoder, and the reason why we do that, we use that is because it's it makes things not stutter on the screen. Things that that you don't really um, think about. Again, the technical the technical stuff that you don't normally think about when it comes to bigger screens. I mean, I remember when I first first got there. Someone raised their hand, one of the team members that had done bigger screens before. Uh, we, we all came, the team came together from all kinds of different backgrounds. And one of them had done big screens before. And he's, he was like, we're not using motion blur, right? And I was like, oh, um, I didn't even think about that. Um, Interesting. Not using motion blur because you have a nine, like whatever big screen it is, it's like, I think it, the screens are like nine feet tall. Like you don't want something moving very suddenly. So all of our moves have to be very smooth and very like much slower than you normally animate. It is very, it's a very different I way know. of animating. Yeah, there's yeah. very, it's things that you don't think about in normal animation. You fill it with much blur and you fill it with like sudden movements. You can't have that jarring movement in front of like a big audience unless you want to make a statement, unless you're telling a story, or unless you're going with the story, then you, you can't have those things happening. So, not a boring question. Uh, we, we do use AME, we do use Afterfix to, to export, and because of the nature of how we do things, where we are animating and sort of stopping and animating and stopping, it doesn't take us long to render, depending on what we're rendering. 
does that if that makes sense. We also render a oh. lot of stuff in, on Alpha. So oh, cool. Yeah, that's so interesting. I never would have thought, I never, I always do small screen stuff like 1080p max. I never thought of like a big screen, how people would view the motion and movement of what's on screen okay. as opposed to something that's just like your computer monitor. That's really interesting. That makes sense though. That makes a lot of sense. Or your phone. I mean, a lot of the time. Or your you phone, get away with yeah. It. Yeah, you can get away with a lot of sudden movement on a small screen. Yeah, People that's People are so not true. as jarred, you know, but if you're in mm. front of a huge screen and things are moving very fast, uh, yeah, it's going to be jarring. Yeah, yeah. That is interesting. I did not know that. Well, thank you so much for that info. That's, yeah. that's really interesting to know. And that's very interesting to know about your uh, pipeline with After Effects because I've always been torn. I'm like, sometimes I just do an export from After Effects and then sometimes mm -hmm. I do media encoder and I'm just kind of like, eh, which one do I use? Mm -hmm. like, I, uh, I, personally, I, uh, I personally use media encoder when I want to keep working on something. Yep. Yeah, just throw it in the background, let it cook. Yep. Yeah, I do that when I – I always use media encoder from Premiere Pro usually just because if I was like um, – trying to export out multiple videos. Like at one point I had like, I think I was behind on like 20 videos I was trying to knock out. So I would literally just throw it in media encoder, go to the next one, throw another one in. And I have like three videos baking in the background and then just keep throwing them in, which was awesome. But if yeah. I just have one video I'm trying to put out uh, through After Effects, um, I usually will just skip it. I also saw, I saw somebody comment on the MP4 format, which is true is what, I use it the most uh, is for for MP4s, but uh, I I would say that the issue the biggest issue I have with AME is that sometimes it takes longer to render through it than with After Effects, and if I'm if I noticed that, yeah, 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 it takes each other. Yeah, it was the point. That frustrated I just, me when I, I yeah. first bumped into that. I'm like, what the heck? I actually had a really weird bug where it was gonna take like it was like two hours or something to do a encode for like i don't know it was a 10 minute video and i checked all the settings and what it turned out to be is it was only using like 10 percent of my computer's capabilities and i had to like reinstall it and then it was just like boom encoding time 10 minutes i was like it was really weird yeah to reinstall it yeah it was it was very strange what it was doing yeah from what i understand it doesn't really use the hard the hardware to um, you know, as well as like after fix us, like it doesn't yep. use all the cores, so and you're yeah. stuck there for like hours. Yeah, and it also for some reason tends to pump out quality, uh, very high file sizes, extremely high compared to something like Handbrake. Like, if I have an hour long video, it'll take sometimes up to three gigs of space. Whereas if I pump that through Handbrake, we can drop that down to 700 megabytes, no problem. I was just shocked at the file sizes and the quality is literally almost undistinguishable. So Dan, I think you have a question too. I see your hand is raised up. Uh, I can't hear you. Mm, nope. Still no sound. You want to type it in chat and then I'll ask for you in the meantime. Cool. Um, yeah, I was going to say that's really interesting about the HAPQ format because I've used that before or like HAP and HAPQ. Um, oh, great question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just saw it popped up. 
I'm sorry, Dion, go on. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, if you saw something in the chat, go ahead and, and read from it. Uh, yeah, um, Adam, you just had to ask about previous, right? Mm -hmm. We actually have a previous room where we go in and we, like, once we do, it basically has a mock stage on it. And so if you wanted to look at the graphics real quick, you said there's two people there, two or three people there. That, came, that are the operators of that D3 machine that we were talking about. And so uh, we pop it into the actual machine, the D3 machine, and we look at it um, as the, you know, at the mock stage uh, and, and see what, what it looks like. If we, and sometimes we will run the show entirely there just to see what it looks like before that. And is that like to scale or is it like a scaled down version so you can work? Yeah, it's like a scaled up version of like what the stage actually looks like. And uh, it has a little silhouette of him and where he's placed and it has all of the different camera, uh, you know, so this, you know, the different camera views. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, so, oh, no, no, that's okay. I was just going to comment that it's it's awesome that like, I heard somebody mentioning HAP and HAPQ in a professional environment because I've only used it when I've done projection mapping. I've never heard of it being used for broadcast, so that's really cool. Um, a couple of people have asked in the chat, do you guys use anything like Render Garden or like a render farm to handle all, like how intense 8K can be? <laughs> or is it just like a single machine rendering stuff out? How do you guys handle that? We should probably have a Render Garden, but we don't. <laughs> We, you'd be surprised that like, our machines are pretty fast and we have been pretty good in terms of rendering. Unless it's something that is very heavy, um, then we sort of like split it between machines and do that. But for the most part, uh, again, because of the nature of what we're doing, since we're doing um, animation and stopping animation, since it's cute, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take us long. If that makes sense. Yeah. Do you get so do you I know with like some live broadcast stuff, you don't even have to render stuff out. Like you can give them um like a, a an After Effects template file and they can load it in. Do you guys do any of that or do you pre-render everything that's gonna be no. Okay. no, we pre-render everything. If only because it's so specific to what he's yeah. doing. I don't want to say no one is doing. There um yeah, it's it's very specific. So, um, because it's so customized to the topic, customized to everything that he's saying and doing and moving, um, yeah, we tend to just live customized. Um, let's see, anyone else have questions? I want to throw it out there. I'm going to have to leave. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know, it's, it's already 10.30, so Dork is going to have to go soon. I'm sorry, guys. No, I, this has been great. It's been like, yeah. <laughs> like nonstop answering questions. So it's, it's really good. Um, I'm just going to look around. Yeah. Uh, next time, maybe I'll come to another meeting and, you know, with more time, we'll, we'll have more, we'll talk more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would, I would love to have you on again, especially since season two will be coming out. I don't know if you can talk about it, but do you guys change up the stage or anything going to season two? Like, or is it the same kind of environment? Well, the stage doesn't like the the screens don't change. Okay. Um, they're like built into the floor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I just I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like every yeah. season, you guys would change different screens or something. Oh no no no! Yeah, uh, the screen stays. Well, so you have the screen 
is divided and you have floor screen and then you have a low res screen behind it and okay. you also have scepters so it's sort of like uh like scepters are the little the little lines in between the screens that they can mm. also be animated and we do animate them so there's a lot of like little components to a screen that we also animate yeah um the scepters are usually used for concerts so um it's it's an interesting screen it's yeah. a very different, even different than the normal screen. So it has the screen itself. It has a lower screen behind it, which is, uh, I forget, the Vanish and then the scepters. So cool. and all of that gets animated. So it's a lot of, wow. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, a lot of little yeah. details. A lot of little details, yes, definitely. Um, well, for everyone that's, here, I, I have a bunch of links and stuff that we can still talk about, even though Dork has got to go. But Dorga, thanks so much. I want to yeah. definitely schedule you to come back on so we don't have to like blast sure. through everything so quickly. But yeah, um, is there yeah, anything? Thanks for that, coming. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna say, where, no where can you. people find you? I definitely have your reel and links to your site. Um, but for people that are listening in afterwards, what's the best way for people to find you and follow along? Uh, I mean, I, I have a website, uh, .com is uh, but I, I really I haven't updated it in a while because I've been working a lot. Um, you can find my work there. And then you follow me on IG. I usually, uh, that's the one that I post the most to or to Facebook as well. But like mo mostly IG, uh, designimator underscore dork. Okay. It's my handle and uh, that's what you can find me. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I know it's really cold in New York and New yeah. Jersey and you need to catch a train whenever it comes. Yep. So I'm going to say thank you again. And All right. um, yeah, please, please come back too. And yeah, a lot of people are saying thanks in the chat as well. Oh yeah. I see it. I see Kendall. Yeah. Hi Kendall. I haven't seen Kendall in a while. She used to come to our, our fun animation meetings. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Bye guys. Bye. It thank great. you. It was great being here. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so much. All right, bye. All right, so uh, that was awesome. Yeah, Dorka apparently got stuck in between train stations on her way from New Jersey to New York, so um, we had to cut it short, which is unfortunate, but I do have a ton of links this week to talk about. Um, I've been collecting them all week. Just it seems like this week has been a, a good week for that, so... Um, I'm going to go ahead and start sharing those into the chat, but EJ just released a new tutorial last week right here on doing like somewhat cloth sims, or it's, I guess it's real cloth sims, um, using just native Cinema 4D and native particles inside Cinema 4D, which is really cool. Um, but it's not that long of a tutorial. It's only about 40 minutes long. Um, but it was just interesting to see because I've never done anything really great with cloth or at least natural built-in cloth for Cinema 4D. What else? True Detective Season 3 main titles came out. Throw that in the chat as well. And there we go. Um, I, I kind of wanted to talk about these a little bit as like an artistic breakdown. For me, I mean, it's Patrick Clare. He's super awesome and talented, but at the same time, it's kind of like I've seen it before a little bit because it's True Detective, and I know they want to keep the theme, but um, 
yeah, people are like, man, Patrick Clare is still killing it. And for me, I'm like, yeah, he's still killing it, but it's the same as before. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought about it as well. Have you guys had a chance to check out the new titles? Oh yeah. Raul Marx is on it as well too. Pedro just said, I forgot too. I got it from Patrick Clare's site, but um, yeah, Raul Marx. And let's see if there's anyone else in there that I recognize Kyle Moore, uh, Patrick Clare. But, to me, it seems a little bit different uh, with the fact that like there's almost, I, I feel like before is a lot like flatter with just kind of that superimposed mm-hmm. look. And now with, I mean, it's obviously footage or something. It almost looks like more 3d in a way. Uh, I, yeah. It's a I little bit give, more interactive, but it's uh, like they've matched the movement. So they've taken like the video and then they've taken the actors and kind of like match the, the movement. So yeah, right. that, when you have that double exposure, look, it's, it looks way more like kind of in their head or, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, it I looks like used, the, I think the face is like full. Well. They, they've definitely used some 3D. There's a, there's a couple of shots in there that they've definitely used 3D to get that yeah. kind of depth in there. Yeah, that like the opening shot especially, is is that? Yeah. Don Cheadle? Or, it no, does look like Don Cheadle, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. um, but like you really notice it there with like the depth of field and how he turns his head and then the right. tr- and I turn with him there. Um, yeah, I think like it's definitely an evolution of the series before, and then right around like the 30, 39, 30, 39, like, yeah, yeah, like you really notice it there. Yeah, yeah. Now, the question mm-hmm. is, will season three be any good? <laughs> <laughs> I have never watched True Detective, I should probably get on that, but it the came first season is awesome, yeah. yeah. But the second season sucked. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind the second season. It, the only thing <clears throat> there were like I don't know how many scenes. It felt like you were like listening in on a conversation that you weren't yeah. supposed to hear, and so much dialogue was like mumbly and muffled, and yeah. to where you're just like, am I su- am I supposed to not be hearing this? Yeah. Like, it, like was it an artistic decision? But it you needed to and a lot of it was quick you almost got like four episodes in before you started like oh that's what that is right where it's it's like you you really had to pay attention because it was not exposition dialogue and and it gave me a new appreciation being a dumb audience (laughs) being the dumb viewer yeah but but you need you need something like they literally gave you nothing (laughs) for like four episodes and then all of a sudden it's like that's when it came in, yeah. Yeah. I didn't enjoy that one as much as the first one. Well, and the other aspect, like um, the anti-hero or, you know, where every character you're like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be rooting for this guy or not, where in the first one you're just like, oh, well, that's the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Those people are bad. All right, all right, all right. Um, looks like Pedro's throwing some more links in the chat with Patrick Clare and Raul uh, being an art director on it. Let's see, Tom Clancy's The Division, Washington DC Aftermath. So like a game trailer, that's cool. Wow, this is like not what I expect from Patrick Clare. Um, let me, I gotta steal this link and throw it into the notes. I think, I think Pedro is the, um, 
is the expert. So if, it, if there's any kind of controversy around any of these title sequences, the news channels will be getting Pedro on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. as the resident expert. This is pretty cool. Like, yeah, definitely a break from normal Patrick Claire that I'm used to seeing. Huh. And so you said it was uploaded a week ago. Nice. All right. I definitely saved that link for our show notes too. That's nice. Yeah. Did Patrick uh, Clare do the, um, fuck, what was the name of that show? Uh, the title sequence of, um, it's like about the old school, uh, the computer game, and not computer game, but computer where it's like, um, terrible, Halt terrible story. Halt yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, did he do those titles? Because, it, it, yeah, it looks like it. It looks like this link that uh, Pedro just dropped in has some, like, little, like, nods to that, too, or, like, similar kind of elements with, like, the UI glitchy data-y stuff. I am looking through his Patrick's Vimeo right now to see. Uh, yeah, I, I found it. Hang on. There it is. Yep. I see it. But yeah, it's that whole like pixel sorting kind of look. Mm -hmm. I'll grab that for the notes as well. Yeah. Now I never watched these titles before, but now I can see the influence for sure. Wow. And Ralph Marks was on this as well. They must. They're like a much. tag team duo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like. yeah. I didn't realize they worked together so much. Isn't one an art director and then one actually does the work? Isn't that the... Um, Pedro? So <laughs> frames. Yeah, Pe let's go to Pedro. Let's go to <laughs> Pedro. Pedro live. <laughs> Pedro's live at whatever event. Um, it looks like Patrick Clare is the director on most of these, and then Raoul Marks is either animation design or art director. On yeah, them. yeah, sounds like lead animator pages. Yeah. damn I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and watch some of these that i just missed um let's see okay so Pedro's saying the same thing um so last week i had talked about kyle hamrick who's been on here a couple times just hanging around with us doing these text animator series and then he actually just put out a tutorial on it for school of motion on how to do like a tapered stroke so i just threw that in the chat um, really cool, really great way of breaking down the text animator. I don't know about you guys, but the text animator kind of freaks me out a little bit or just feels clunky. Um, and the way Kyle breaks it down is super cool. And I actually asked Kyle to come on in, let's see, either March or April. I have to figure out where I put him on the calendar. Um, but he's going to do kind of a live presentation as well for like his 30 days of uh, text effectors and go through that. And then also kind of how you can get into using text effectors for alternative animation purposes um, a lot easier. So hopefully that will be cool when he comes on. Let's see, Kendall, you just, this is a live stream. Cool. Is this? Oh, yeah, it's, just like, it's just like Patrick Claire talking about different things. So I watched it a long time ago. It was cool. pretty interesting. I will definitely throw that in the links as well. It's, I guess it's Patrick Clare Day for, for inspiration. <laughs> this is awesome. 
Uh, create bookmark. There we go. What else do I have? I have Henrik Barone. Um, if you guys don't know who he is, he's like more of a cell style animator. And I believe he was at Giant Ant at, until I guess the end of last year. I think he went freelance or maybe he's still at Giant Ant and freelancing. Um, but he just put out a new website and it is awesome. It's just like some of the shots that he's chosen and how he's broken them down and some of these gifts are really cool. You can see some of the behind the scenes for, um, like if you scroll down, there's like a very giant man doing yoga, but it's just like so fluid and you can see the keyframes and the sketches that went into it beforehand. Just really great work. Um, I love how simple the site is too. A lot of people focus on these giant like project breakdowns and like, um, like about me's and things like that. And he just lays it all out there for people to view and enjoy, which is cool. And what other notes? Video Copilot live tour. They announced that last week. Grab that link now. It looks like they are going to Europe for January 26th, 30th, February 2nd, and February 9th. So London on January 26th, which is also when MDC is having their meetup, Paris on actually, It actually is MDC. Yeah, oh, it is. Ah, okay. They so just, I think they just like tagged off. Gotcha. So it's MDC and then Video Copilot is going to be there as well, or Andrew Kramer is going to be presenting there as well. Um, Paris is on January 30th, Barcelona on February 2nd, and then Berlin on February 9th. Um, pretty cool little trailer too. I should have put, they put out a new tutorial as well. I think I forgot to grab the link for that. Um, I'll try and grab that later on, but they put out a new tutorial this week on how to do like procedural destruction of a 3D text object inside of After Effects, which is really cool. Um, I don't use After, After Effects as, excuse me, After Effects as much as I used to. It was just kind of cool to see uh, that kind of thing broken down inside After Effects. What else do I have? And last thing, um, this guy, Peter Tarka, has been coming up in conversations a little bit lately. I'm going to throw his Behance in here as well. And just kind of cool work. It reminds me a little bit like, like Abstract's still life a bit. Like you can see in some of them that it's still life, but more geometric. Um, but as you scroll down, there's some other traditional stuff as well. I just really like the color palettes and lighting for most of these. It's just, I don't know, it's fun, inviting. So I threw that in there as well. Mark, do you have any links that I may have missed? Yeah, I'm trying to, um, trying to find something right now, but uh, a few weeks ago, Adobe, I think, tweeted out something that they're starting to do kind of like live streaming uh, oh, yeah. of like certain creative things and, and Kendall's link kind of uh, sparked that, I, or, uh, that memory. I can't find the link for it right now, but it seems like they're going to start doing more streams with creatives and showing process and stuff like that. So uh, yeah. um, we'll have to I try to find adobelive.com. Is that it? I forget what it was. It's going to be Hans actually. Is it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so you're going to be Hans. There's the live link. I watch them all the time. So. Oh, cool. There it is. Oh, you, 
if you participate, a lot of times they give away like a free Creative Cloud subscription or oh wow, cool thing. So if you pay attention, you you can get in and get some free stuff. Nice. Yeah, and and they've had good people on before that I've watched. I know recently Caitlin Kadju was on, and she did like a three part series. Yeah. Yeah, like. that was just last week. And yeah. They they have a schedule, so they'll they'll bring on certain people. Cool. Um, oh, cool. They they did like a daily creative challenge like a month ago. It looks like they were running something like that. Seeing who else has been on here. Yeah, I remember last year around NEB or like close to it or around one of the events, they had like a whole motion design dedicated week where like Caitlin was on and uh, a bunch of people were, were on. It was really cool. cool. Um, I realized I just kept that like running. I thought it was like a special. So that's cool to know. That that's in cool. terms of other links here, I, I'll put it in the chat, um, but... There, I saw this on the MDA Slack. Uh, it's like the um, Art Directors Guild um, has all the nominees for um, whatever Oscars. Um, and they have like the one hour fantasy single camera series. And there's just a ton of stuff. But all of these, uh, in this link, all these shows have um kind of credits to the show but a lot of them will also have a pdf of like the art direction um and kind of a design presentation that um was given so there's some really cool stuff in here and they do have one for uh spider-man the new spider-man um there's one for ready player one for black panther there's a lot of stuff um most of this is um, for kind of like set design and whatnot, but there are some interesting style boards and um, or like mood board style frames, stuff like that. There is one also for the Apple, uh, the Apple home ad that Spike Jones uh, directed and kind of mm -hmm. uh, uh, like art direction for that and the set design. It's really interesting stuff, I thought. Um, so something to check out there. Cool. Um, one thing we didn't mention in terms of links here as well was that uh, Dorco was on the School of Motion, or no, the Motion Hatch podcast with Ryan Summers a, a few weeks ago or maybe a month or two ago. Yeah. So it's definitely check that out. When I went to get the link, it was all the way back in September. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? I, I did not realize it was that long ago. It felt like it, it was pretty recent. So, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good episode to listen yeah. to if you haven't listened to that yeah, um, it kind of goes along well with what we were talking about last week too just yep. like school and teaching um and then pedro also popped something else in the chat for that new jet fluids like free beta plugin mm. plugins 4d or whatnot uh it's kind of like a uh, uh liquid sim plugin that's free it's in beta right now I believe, um, but it works with R20. So check that out for any sort of um, particle sim. I, ha I have not really looked into it yet myself, but it looks pretty interesting. So um, yeah, other saw, than that, yeah. Um, Phil put in the new 
Affinity Publisher app. What is it? What is it called? Is it oh Publisher? It's it is called, actually yeah, Publisher. It's just called Publisher. Yeah. So um, this the this company is basically like just sick and tired of using Adobe products, yeah. so just creating their own. <laughs> and uh, I actually know someone who worked like kind of in the beta of the uh, photo app that they do, which is kind of like kind of like Photoshop mm-hmm. and bringing in all like kind of plugins that you can get for Photoshop and just building them into their like core. Um, and he heard that they're creating something that's like After Effects. I've heard that too. So I, so I called them out on Twitter. I was like, oh, so you were uh, you, uh, making anything to kind of rival After Effects? And, just like, and they just basically said, oh, no, there's nothing on the pipeline yet. Yeah. But I've, I, I've I heard definitely that. know. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely know there is. Yeah. I, I'm pretty certain there is too because there's been multiple people that have brought it up on the forums. Mm-hmm. And they always just like kind of say no, but they don't really yeah, yeah. Either. yeah 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 exactly um yeah yeah i so that'd I, be quite interesting yeah i used uh and still kind of use photo and designer on my ipad a lot i don't really use it on the desktop I, I just haven't gotten into that workflow yet um i tried publisher like three months ago whenever the beta first came out and it's super awesome and solid but there's like a couple little things that you can't quite do yet um like reading Excel files to, to do like multiple populations of business cards or, or lower. Yeah. A lot, a lot of that stuff. It's like, it was the same with the, with the photo app. Cause we like, cause I was, when I worked at my old company, I was kind of in charge of all that, like kind of new technology and yeah. new plugins and stuff like that. See if it will actually make our workflow quicker, et cetera, et cetera. And they were really quick at adding features. So like yeah. being able to open Photoshop files natively in, that like in a different program and, and then it switch out all of the Photoshop stuff for the, for their stuff, you know? Yeah. Like doing all that sort of thing. Like there's some really like, nice like syncing stuff that happens with the iPad too. Like if you have it both on desktop and iPad, if you're working on it, you can very easily yeah. open it up on the desktop and take over. It's like, wow, that, that, that's something that Adobe still hasn't gotten right. That, that's the thing is like the, the Adobe framework is almost like, I think they've rebuilt it once when they did creative cloud where mm. they just basically had a, had a framework and then they're just adding, 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 and then like kind of putting out fires as, as they add stuff. Yeah. Um, but this company's like kind of, they've got the, like a solid framework. That's like, I think it's built on Python and then, uh, or whatever it is. So you can code Python to like make things like, you know, like nuke yeah. script things and, and things like that. So like that makes it a lot more robust. The fact that you can program, you know, tools and, and things like custom to the, like eventually that's going to rival Adobe. I know it's like really infant, infant stages at the moment, but the fact that it's like $50 per program forever rather than $50 a month, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Just make it node-based, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or any, anything on the iTunes gift, on the iTunes app store is not its real price because you can find the iTunes gift cards like everywhere. They're always on sale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy Needham is saying in the chat that Andrew Embry has contacted Seraph directly about the AE alternative. So that's cool. So, mm-hmm. uh, Interesting. We'll have to, we'll have to keep uh-huh. it. Yeah. 
Um, but I think that's it for links. Yeah, I just popped one more in uh, that has popped up in my like YouTube feed and stuff. But Nick from mm-hmm. Grayscale Gorilla finally posted a video of him firing up his PC and working in Redshift for the first time. So. Have you watched that? I've yeah, watched so a little bit of it, but it's... bumbling around in Redshift is more like <laughs> yeah. Well, so. <laughs> It's like if I tried to do it. It's, like... <laughs> it's pretty fun. Like I, I really like the enthusiasm of Nick because yeah. he starts off with like just normal standard and physical. He's like, man, there's 64 buckets. And he's like <laughs> super pumped about that. And then he switches over to Redshift. He's just like, whoa, holy crap. And just like, like literally like now we're talking. On the screen. It like <laughs> just blows his mind about how fast it is. And um, hopefully, yeah, he is a little bit bumbly because he's still learning Windows as well. So I, I think it will come, but it, it was it was really cool to see. He should do the 10-year challenge with the... Oh, that would be so good. Tiny Spears. Tiny Spears. It's funny. Like, Tiny Spears and Red Chip and Shiny Spears and Physical. Yeah. I wonder how old Nick's Mac Pro is, you know, because... Didn't they? They came out in like twenty, or they came out in oh nine, right? Like the first ones. So I think he got an i. He got an iMac, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think it's a trash can. But Phil was just saying that he's got a Mac Pro now. Oh no, he has a twenty twelve Mac Pro. Okay, but he also got an iMac Pro, I think, as well, and it still wasn't fast enough. Mm. So he switched over. Um. Hey, random Redshift question for all you Redshift people. Uh, if you have a Redshift license, does that include all the whatever DCCs or? Yeah. So like you could use it in Houdini? Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Yeah, you don't have to buy any extra licenses. over Octane. Octane don't have to anymore. Yeah. You got, Octane just did it as well. Yeah, right. Octane just did it. Yeah. So 20, was it 2018.1? Uh, RC. Test build yeah. seven. Basically, if you had a, you had a like a uh, Octane three license, and then you, <laughs> you upgrade you a free, update, yeah, yeah, you do a free update to, to four, and then and a then, paid up, and then a paid upgrade to get all of the uh, like the maintenance. We need a node tree. We need a node <laughs> yeah. tree of like, okay, yeah. so if you're here, and then. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, what about subscription? <laughs> yeah, so, so that, that's weird too, because isn't there like two different subscription models where it's like the subscription of just one app and then for like $14.99 a month, you can get all the apps? I don't, I don't know. The homeless subscription and then the godlike subscription. Yeah. That's what you, that's what you yeah, get. Like, There's nothing here, in between. Nothing. Here I am rendering on Redshift like a poor person and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I've got, Liam. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I got too. So yeah. Thanks again to Dorka. I know she had to cut out and it was very last minute. She, she messaged me this morning. She's like, Hey, so, uh, my train isn't coming, so I might not be able to do this. And then she found a quiet corner. So I appreciate her for even like finding a spot inside a train station, especially when it's freezing cold waiting for a train right now. Yeah. Um, so many thanks to her. Um, and thanks for everybody that's joined in, of course, every week. This is fantastic. It, it still blows my mind about how many of you guys join us every week because we never planned for it to be like this. So that's great. 
uh, for anyone who's listening in and wants to follow along or recommend anything, we're on social media, of course, pretty much everywhere. Just do a search for Monday Meeting. You can email us info at mondaymeeting.org and of course find show notes and everything at mondaymeeting.org. So um, with that said, I think. Yeah, I don't think we have a topic for next week yet. So if you guys have anything specific, feel free to hit us up. Let me check the calendar really quickly. Next week is the 28th, right? Yeah, so we don't have a topic. Uh, It might just be a general discussion, but if there is something that pops up in any of the slacks that seem interesting, let us know or we'll, we'll figure out something as well. But um, of course, it's always fun to just have an open discussion as well. For sure. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining in and have a great week. We'll see you next week. See you Bye. Later. And.